À nous, Dieu, God, nous l'a révélé par l'Esprit, car l'Esprit sonde tout, même les profondeurs de Dieu. Verse 11. Qui donc parmi les hommes sait ce qui concerne l'homme, si ce n'est l'Esprit de l'homme qui est en lui De même, personne ne connaît ce qui concerne Dieu, si ce n'est l'Esprit de Dieu. 12. Or nous, nous n'avons pas reçu l'Esprit du monde, mais l'Esprit qui vient de Dieu, afin de savoir ce que Dieu nous a donné par grâce. 13. En nous, et nous en parlons, non avec des discours qu'enseigne la sagesse humaine, mais avec ceux qu'enseigne l'Esprit, en expliquant les réalités spirituelles à des hommes spirituels. 14. Mais l'homme naturel ne soit pas les choses de l'Esprit de Dieu, car elles sont une folie pour lui, et il ne peut les connaître parce que c'est spirituellement qu'on en juge. 15. L'homme spirituel, au contraire, juge de tout. Il n'est lui-même jugé par personne. En effet, 16, qui a connu la pensée du Seigneur pour l'instruire Or, nous, nous avons la pensée de Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Matthew. Yeah. All right. Well, good morning. Yeah. Um, so we're continuing our series in uh, about hearing God's voice. So Shema is one of the names of the series. Shema, hearing God's voice. And Shema is a Hebrew word for, for hearing. And, and in Hebrew, it doesn't just mean listening to noise, it means responding. So that's, that's kind of the theme of this summer. So let's start with perspective. Let's just take it all in. We're gathered right now. Along with two and a half billion people, we like to talk about that here because it's incredibly encouraging. These, so this, this family of two and a half billion in some way looks to Jesus as the authority of the universe. Confessing Jesus as Lord, crucified and risen King of the world. So why do we gather in this way? Because we worship a God who speaks. We worship a God who has spoken. And we are the family of this speaking God. A community of people who are learning how to hear and obey his voice with our whole lives. So think about the Bible. What's, what is the Bible? The Bible is the, it's this collection of stories about men and women who hear God's voice and then either obey or disobey. This is our family history, you guys. And so much of life comes down to this. You hear and obey God's voice and step into his goodness. So... This is why we spent years as a church focusing on listening prayer and scripture meditation and silence and solitude and Sabbath. It's all to practice awareness and to increase receptivity to the voice of God in our lives so that we can hear, obey, and flourish like we talked about last week. Last week was the intro to this series. And so I'm going to refer back to it a little bit during this teaching. So here it is. In a time of deep political unrest and division, And 2024, something, I have a hunch that 2024 will be gnarly, okay? So in a time of deep political division, to be a church that loves justice and generosity and hospitality and peacemaking even toward our enemies, then we got to learn how to hear and obey God's voice above all the other voices. This is how we'll see God's kingdom come in San Diego as it is in heaven. So here's a big takeaway for today. One of the ways God speaks is directly to our hearts and minds. Uh, that's the point of today. The Spirit of God has direct access to the minds of children of God. Just like Dr. Ruffet read in French, we have the mind of Christ. But what does that practically mean? Glad you asked. That's what today's about. So here's how the teaching is going to go. First, First part is very short. We're going to walk through that passage. And there's a reason why we skip from verse 13 to 16, because those are the ones we're focusing on on the screen. Um, we're going to walk through that passage, see how Paul's logic works when it comes to how the Spirit gives our minds direct access to Christ's mind. And that'll be short. And then the second part will be the most of the teaching, where we address questions. Questions always come up when we talk about hearing voices, <laughs> like hearing God's voice. That's, that's, some of you might have yellow flags that come up on, well, what, what, is that? what does that even look like to hear God's voice accurately? If you have questions right now bubbling up, that's great. You, that's the right thing. So first, to the text, okay? 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9, Paul's making an argument that God speaks his wisdom to his kids by his spirit. So... Here we go. As it is written, 
And Paul quotes an ancient prophet Isaiah here. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. Isaiah, back then, Paul's quoting an ancient prophet who's like, no one can know God's mind. Who could ever touch it? And then Paul's like, we can. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Like, that's, that's actually what Paul's doing. He's messing with Isaiah in 1 Corinthians 2. Isaiah's like, uh, who, what ear or eye can see into the thought processes of God? Paul's like, step aside, Isaiah. We've got the spirit now. Remember that untouchable mind? It's now revealed. It's open to the children of God. Here's Paul's logic. Are you ready for it? Verse 10. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things. Okay. Okay. And here's his basis. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit in them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit. His argument is your spirit knows you. How intimate are you with your own soul? Super. Super intimate with your own soul. The spirit of God is just as intimate with God's self. Okay, all right. Now, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God. Wait a minute. So people who are Jesus followers, who've received the Holy Spirit, we now have the same spirit that's currently intimate with God's self? Yes. This is his logic. You guys, that... <laughs> That's, that should give you all the right feelings right now. That should give you chills. That should make you desire and long to be with God. Should give you belonging and joy and peace. That deep connection. He goes on. Um, this is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so not only do you have intimate contact with God's self because you share the same Spirit, but you actually speak what's in God's mind. You can speak what was in God's mind through your mouth, through this same spirit. So remember, Isaiah the prophet was like, who could ever even fathom? Paul's like, we can. And this is what it looks like. And look at, Paul finishes by messing with Isaiah one last time. He says, for, quote Isaiah, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to teach him? Paul's like, we have. He's making this point very clear. You guys, this is the basis for this whole, not just this series, but this whole Christian life. Followers of Jesus are people who shema. We can hear God's voice, and through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, God's wisdom is revealed to our minds, and Jesus' followers have a direct access, connect, a direct connect to the mind of God and Christ through the Spirit. You guys, do you know, do you live with the awareness, God desires to speak directly to your mind. And right away, this raises all sorts of questions. Wait a minute, isn't that subjective? Yep. Isn't that open to interpretation? When God speaks, isn't it open to interpretation? Uh-huh. Well, isn't that unclear? Absolutely. And so is the Bible, by the way. The Bible needs to be interpreted. It's subjectively implied, and it's even unclear at times, at least with the questions we want to bring to the text. But that's another topic for another day about the Bible. That's in the fall. And uh, it is. And so here, here's other questions. We're going to go there in the fall. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but here's some other questions about hearing God. What if it's not God I hear? What if it's not the Spirit's voice? Or what if it's my own wishful thinking? What if it's pop culture telling me what to feel? What if it's my political bias filtering reality for me? What if it's my dad from when I was a kid playing in my mind or guilt or shame? What if it's an actual demon? And at the bottom of all that, what if I, I just don't want to get God's voice wrong. What if I get him wrong? And those are legit questions, which brings us now to part two of the teaching. This is the bulk of the teaching. We're going to ask four big questions that hopefully get under all the other questions. And I love reminding this church of these four questions every year because, like I said in, la in last week's teaching, I think the most important thing we can learn to do as God's kids this side of heaven is learn to hear and respond to his voice, period. Um, so, so here they are, all at once, four questions. How does God speak? 
How do we know it's God? Why don't we hear God more? How can we open ourselves to hear God more? So we're going to spend most of this time on question one and then rip through questions two through four. Um, So question one, how does God speak? Does anyone remember from last week? What's the primary way God speaks? Remember last week? The primary way God speaks, yes, the word, if by the word you mean Jesus. Jesus is the primary way God speaks. I like to say Jesus is the capital W, word of God, and the Bible is the little w word of God. And the Bible points to the big W, Jesus. So that's how that works. The author of Hebrews says it this way. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, who wrote Bible, by the way. And at many times, they, God spoke to them. But in these last days, he's one-upped all of them. He's spoken to us by the Son. Jesus is what God has to say. The ultimate word of God is not words on a page, but a person. Jesus is the living word of God. That's why we call ourselves Jesus followers, not Bible followers. We read the scriptures because Jesus gives them to us as faithful and infallible signposts to himself. And we practice the way of Jesus day in and day out because we believe not just a God who speaks but a God who has spoken to humans, ultimately through a person, Jesus, the living word. You guys, that could be a whole sermon series, a whole lifetime of study. Jesus as the speaking of God, it's whole life. I recommend Athanasius. He wrote a book called On the Incarnation like 1,600 years ago. It's like 60 pages long. Athanasius, On the Incarnation, all about Jesus as the word. It's beautiful, life-changing to have read that for me. So, uh, how else does God speak? He speaks through Jesus primarily. We talked about that last week. How else does God speak? If we have the mind of Christ, how do we hear the mind? Uh, Obviously, most of us would like to hear like an audible voice. That would be awesome, right? Am I right? Like, that'd be nice. If I'm honest, if I had to pick between the voice of the inner voice of the spirit in my senses or like an audible statement from the sky, I'd pick the sky. It'd be really nice. Uh, especially in those really hard, God, I'm super confused right now moments, just one audible sentence, boom, clarity. That'd be awesome. Uh, He could do it. He spoke creation into existence. He can speak an audible sentence, I feel. So, but usually what happens if you've done listening prayer, silent prayer with your community and you're listening to the spirit and you're, you're reading and you're, I'm sitting there silently, you know what I hear? I hear like my stomach growl or something. You know, I don't hear... God's audible voice, but I'm sitting, like at Seek First Sunday, we're worshiping, I'm like, God, it's an hour into this beautiful worship night. You could just speak one line, shake the room. Father, speak. Right now, we're all ready. We're going to hear it and receive it and know it's you. If you spoke right now, we'd all hit the floor and worship you for 10 more hours. I know it. It would just change everything. Shift the room with your voice. I feel that, but I actually want to debunk that. Because according to actual Bible stories, the audible voice of God might not be so awesome, right? If you've read the audible voice stories in the Bible, so here's a a well-known one, John 12. You guys know this story. There's this moment where Jesus is talking to his disciples. Don't put it up there yet. Let's hide it uh, if you can, just because you'll be reading it. So Jesus is talking to his disciples And in the middle of their chat, Jesus suddenly shouts out to the Father, and watch what happens. Now put it up. So now he says, now my soul is troubled. He's talking about the cross. What shall I say? Save me from the cross? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. And then Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again affirming that Jesus is the Son. So the crowd that was there heard it and said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel had spoken. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. And so, and so there's this audible voice. Do you see what happened? Everyone hears something. Even Jesus says, this was good for you, in a way. But watch how the people respond. The crowd spoke up. 
We've heard that from the law uh, that the Messiah will remain forever, so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? And who is this Son of Man? They start having theological debates. Voice of God speaks, theology debates happen. Um, so, and also notice, some form a political camp saying that, that God is the thunder voice. It's natural. It's all, it's natural. It's nature and thunder. And, and the others form an angel camp, the supernatural camp. And they start debating. Some are like, it's natural. It's thunder. It's supernatural. It's an angel. And they fight. Uh, and everyone's still clueless about Jesus in the meantime. So this story is a case in point. Even if you got a voice from heaven, there's a really good chance you'll miss the point. So uh, another question, what if you did hear an angel? Maybe some of you have, you have a story of seeing a, a, like a spiritual being apparate, like literally appear in front of you. Um, there are stories like that. That would be cool, maybe. That would be awesome. An angel shows up in your bedroom and says something important. Maybe that would be helpful. Maybe not. There's a story, there's many stories like this in the Bible. Zechariah is a big one. You know Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad. He's a holy man in the holiest place, a priest in the temple, handpicked to be the one priest to give the one special offering on the most holy day of the year. The conditions are perfect to meet God. It's like last week, I told the summer camp story. There's a bonfire, there's a preacher, people are speaking in tongues over there, I'm open, you know? Like there's, I'm ready. And so Zechariah is right there in the holiest moment of his life and an angel appears on screen and says he's gonna have a baby and look at Zechariah's response. He's like, how can I be sure? <laughs> you can't make that up. Even babies laugh. You can't, you can't, make, you can't make this stuff up. You'd think an angel appearing during summer camp on the final night of worship would be enough. But Zachariah is still like, I'm not sure. So even if an angel shows up, there's a good chance you'll miss it. By the way, a little angel trivia. Have you noticed what usually happens to people when angels show up? Raw terror every time. It's like clockwork. The angel appears, the human wets their pants, and the angel has to, what does the angel always have to say first? D don't be afraid. Every time. Because they're terrified. So my guess is an angel showing up would not feel awesome. F final example. Surely it would be great to hear Jesus's audible voice. Surely it would. Jesus in person, giving you special application for your, your day and, and a decision you have to make. That would be awesome, right? Maybe. Maybe we'll miss, maybe we'll miss it. Maybe he'd speak and we misinterpret. Case in point, exhibit A, the disciples for three years, walking with him for three years, hearing his actual voice and his face and his body language even, not just his words. Uh, look, here's, here's what happened over and over again. Peter, explain that parable again. Jesus, are you still so dull? This is, I'm not, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's, we're like, oh yeah, that's totally true. This happens over and over, which goes to show even if Jesus himself appeared and spoke a parable to you, there's still a good chance, just like the disciples, you will miss the point. The fact is, God is not easy to understand. Sometimes he is, but a lot of times his voice is unclear, ambiguous, and fuzzy, and humans are often left confused. You guys, God is God. And he could have set up the universe however he wanted. He could have set things up where every Jesus follower gets like a private God Zoom call at 7 a.m. Uh, very good. All right. Someone fell. All right. Good. So everyone, uh, God could have set it up so every Christian gets a private Zoom call at 7 a.m. every morning where you're like, good morning, Evan. Here I am. I'm God. I love you. I'm here to remind you of your loved identity, let you know my will for your day. Enjoy your coffee. I'll see you at 9 p.m. for your exam and prayer. Like you could... It'd be nice. God could have set it up that way, but he didn't. Why not? 
I have no idea. Because he could have. Here's what we do know. According to the scriptures, God wants a healthy relationship with you. Not just a Zoom call, a relationship with you. What does relationship require in order to be healthy? Conversation and clarifying ambiguity over and over and clarifying expectations when they're not met over and over, which requires continually returning to the same places where you once were with that person. So I love my wife, Sandy. Um, like, I love our relationship. And I love doing stuff with her. We just went camping last week. Thursday, Friday is our weekend because Saturday, Sunday is busy for pastors. So we, do, we take Thursday and Friday every week. And this week we did two nights. I love William Heiss Campground in Julian. It's an amazing place. I don't know if you've been there. Go there. So peaceful. And so we brought the kids, set up the tent, and the, the camp chef tool, dual burner thing. And we just had fire going. And we watched uh, a laptop movie in the tent. We cooked. We, everything. So I love doing stuff with Sandy. Um, but I'm continuing to learn that doing stuff is not a, doing stuff is not a sufficient basis for a healthy relationship. If all you do to keep a relationship healthy is work and do stuff, that's all your relationship with that person will amount to, is the stuff you do. So, so what do we have to do? What's more important than that? I'm still learning this. Last week I, learned, I, I had to learn this again brutally and clarify. We're still working through some of the conversations we had last week to pursue communication, not Doing stuff, not fun stuff, even though that's important. The most important is communicating all the way down, chasing down every ambiguity you can with patience. This is what relationships are based on, authentic, open, ongoing conversation that creates trust. So this is exactly how God wants his relationship to exist with you. More than anything, to live in relationship, and that means conversation with you. So then why is God's voice such a weird thing to talk about and ambiguous? Here's what I'm thinking. And I think we have plenty of Bible on this. I'll show you one verse in a minute. When we look at the Bible story, there seems to be something almost romantic. Can I use that word? Romantic about God's relationship with humanity. Don't think sexual. Think romantic in the sense of the chase. Mutual seeking. The theme of seeking God, like a deer panting in the desert for the water, it's huge in Scripture. Being still to know God. Why do I have to be still to know God? Why can't I just know God? No, to search him out, to ask, to seek, to knock repeatedly. Jesus applauds repeated prayer. Why? Is God hard of hearing? No. God wants to be sought. Look at verse... 13 of Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me. When? When you seek me with all your heart. There's something about this. God wants to pursue and to chase and search for us, and he wants us to pursue him with all our willingness to be with him. Like, okay, I want all my heart into this, and I know it's not all in this yet, so here I go again. God wants that romance Hopefully I can talk in that way and you can understand what I'm saying. So God is a God who speaks. Even if it's not crystal clear, he's, he's a God who speaks. So how? How does God speak? Remember, first and foremost, he's spoken through Jesus. We, t we established that. Jesus is primarily God speaking. So secondly, how does he speak? God speaks through the scriptures. This is secondly to Jesus. Paul says it this way. All scripture is God-breathed. That's a very cool word. It's the only time the word appears in the Bible. In the Greek, it's the only time. And uh, it's the title of our series in the fall on the Bible, God-breathed. So, so all scriptures God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, in a room full of Christians, you might read that and go, yeah, what, what's, what gives? That's obvious. The Bible is how God speaks. 
But it's important to point out, you guys, the scriptures are not specific, but generic. In other words, they communicate God's voice to all his kids equally. So, for example, the Bible cannot tell you who to marry or even if you're supposed to be married. But they absolutely tell you what kind of person you are supposed to be, whether you're single or married, content in Christ. So we bring our own, we bring our own, well, the Bible obviously wants me to be married, so who should I marry? And you read the Bible looking for, no, no, not not obvious. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible's specific. It's not specific. It's generic. Another example, the Scripture cannot tell you what city to move to, but they do tell you how much you need to commit to community wherever you live. The Scriptures can't tell you where to work, but they can tell you what kind of vocation lines up with the kingdom because there are jobs that do not. So the scriptures can tell you how to treat the poor, the widow, the homeless, the refugee, but they're not going to give you that 2024 presidential voters guide. Contrary to what some pockets of Christianity might tell you, there is, there is no Bible voter guide for American politics. So we hear the voice of God first and foremost through Jesus and secondly through Bible, which the Apostle Paul calls God-breathed. Again, God breathed. I like that word, God breathed. It explains so much. You guys, the Bible, it wasn't dictated to a bunch of human meat puppets who just received data and wrote what they heard from God, their puppeteer, you know? That's not how the Bible came to us. And at the same time, the Bible is not just a bunch of ancient writings that are inspired by the idea of God. And some people made some mistakes along the way and got God wrong. It's not either of those extremes. No, scripture, the scriptures are uniquely among all other writings, the voice of God and the voice of humans, fully the voice of humans, both. It's the only, it's the only collection of books like it, truthfully communicating God's intention to save. And so a huge chunk of what we should know from God, it is here, it is here in the Bible. In the Bible, we look to find where we come from, come from God, where everything is headed. We go to the Bible to find ethics, what's ultimately right and wrong in a broad sense, and marriage and sexuality, how to treat our neighbors, how to treat our enemies as neighbors, and how to treat our friends, how to live the way of Jesus. All that is right here in the book you hold hold in your hands. So if you want to start hearing God's voice, step one, you wake up and read daily. This is why we run bread. Reading the Bible daily together as a church so that we have a framework for hearing God's voice accurately when he speaks. And the third way God speaks is through creation. I don't need to say much on this because it's so unique to each of us. You know what it's like to experience the peace of God in the middle of the Grand Canyon on a summer sunset or whatever. You know what that experience is like. So God speaks through creation. Paul says it this way, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. According to Paul here, every human in some way hears God through creation. That's another whole sermon to itself. A fourth way God speaks to us is through prophecy. Paul says it this way, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So in that sentence, Paul elevates prophecy over other spiritual gifts. That's interesting. And he says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for strengthening, which is a construction word in the Greek. It's a home building word. So, so literally means constructive The one who prophesies speaks constructively and for encouragement and comfort. So one definition of prophecy, it's just when God speaks to you through another person. That's that's a good definition, I think, of prophecy. When God speaks to you through another human. This could come in a sermon, or maybe you're listening to that recording of a sermon in a podcast and you're on your way to work and it's just, oh, something deeply resonates with your soul. Or it could be, Someone comes up to you personally and says, hey, uh, 
Sarah or whatever, I have, I've thought of you all week and I have this picture in my mind of you all week. I, I even had a dream was, and, and, or whatever and here it is in all humility. I want to share this with you. I could be way off, but here it is. Uh, and, and then they speak for your strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So, which means if it's not constructive, encouraging, or comforting, there's a good chance it's not God. Paul says so. However, however, there's a such thing as constructive critique. Prophets do it everywhere in Scripture. Uh, there, is, there are constructive comments that are for, genuinely for our flourishing that don't feel encouraging in the moment because it could be an invitation to repent of sin. But since repentance is ultimately for your refreshment and freedom, then even constructive criticism of sin is for your encouragement and comfort. And so here's an important thing you'll hear for the rest of this teaching. This is why when it comes to prophecy and hearing God's voice in general, it is so important to test it. How do you test prophecy? How do you test if you're hearing God's voice? Through spirit-filled community. You guys, this is why we push community groups like we do. This is why we structure our church around communal worship the way we do. In, this, in the same chapter, Paul says it like this. Uh, yeah, right here. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. In other words, there's no lone ranger, gunslinger, wild, like live wire prophets who can tell you God's word open and shut for you. That's not the way it works. The spirit of the prophets submits to the control of the prophetic community and you discern together. Why? Because God's not a God of disorder but of peace. As in all the churches. So he wants every congregation to operate this way. All the churches. We depend on each other, not just for belonging and for a shared meal and for a sense of like, oh, I have a place every week, but for spiritual truth-seeking and discerning God's direction over our lives and for parsing out lies from truth. This is why we push community, why the rest of this teaching will be very community-centric. So if you are out of community, you, you may receive this sermon like, oh my gosh, I'm missing something. That's intentional. So, so, so yes, God speaks through prophecy, but prophecy needs to be tested in community. Because all Christians have the spirit, have the mind of Christ. So um, there we go. I think of the classic example from the 90s, Bible college. So I'm 42. And I never went to Bible college. Uh, I did later when I was like in my 30s. I went online to get a bachelor's degree later. But um, in the 90s, I heard so many stories of people my age, late teens, early 20s, go to Bible college and hear this. Hey, God told me I'm supposed to marry you, and I'm supposed, we're supposed to be together. So, like, he spoke to me. I think we're supposed to, we're supposed to take it slow, but I'm supposed to be with you. <laughs> so many people, I've heard that story. You guys, test that spirit. <laughs> find it false. It's false prophecy. <laughs> That's not how... That, find that prophecy false right away. So, uh, so yeah... So, so scripture, prophecy, that's a, that's a humorous example. Creation, these are all ways God speaks. And there's other ways God speaks, through dreams, visions. You guys, uh, my wife and I had a beautiful uh, meeting with an individual in the church just to discuss the truth and lies that can even come into our dreams and how to pray through that together. And it was just this beautiful, brief, and amazing meeting with an individual in our church. God speaks even through, 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 through dreams, visions, Yes, angels, and yes, the rare audible voice, which isn't the best way, according to Scripture. And another way God speaks is through circumstance, through the way events are arranged around you. God can speak that way. So sometimes you can be like, oh, this makes sense. There's a need. There's a biblical like a, a biblical principle that I'll be faithful to if I fulfill that need. Let's go. And it's a circumstance. But here's where this gets tricky, circumstance. God speaking, oh, it must be. It's an open door. So here's 
God speaks his circumstance, and we have Christianese lingo for this. Open doors, closed doors, right? Um, but we have to be careful because God is not the only being who can open or close doors. God's will isn't the only will in the spiritual realm. There are other wills at play. So as we talked about last week, we live in a war zone, spiritual battlefield, where we're doing our best to listen to our commander, Jesus. But there's plenty of enemies who would love to intercept our comms, right? Or even pretend to be Jesus. And whatever they can do to steal, kill, destroy, which is why this, this whole teaching is important and why community, and we need to learn what God sounds like by reading scripture daily. So the scriptures talk about this unholy trinity that's working against the Father, Son, and Spirit. Next slide. You see the unholy trinity, flesh, devil, and world. And all those three things conspire together like one big hairball of darkness to try to manipulate your circumstances and spin narratives around you and amplify lies you've been believing to try to get you to think in a way God does not want you to think. So the flesh, that's a New Testament word for really your, carn your like natural cravings. Um, so what is the flesh? It can make you cynical, it can make you lazy, it can make you do all kinds of things, and it can lead us to misinterpret our circumstances like this. Here's the flesh. You know, it doesn't feel good to me, so it must not be God. which isn't necessarily a great measuring stick. The cross didn't feel good to Jesus. So, which is why we need to be filled with the Spirit in community to bear the fruit of the Spirit that fights our flesh. So, and then the devil, the devil, he just flat out lies, master liar, uh, and he lies about your circumstances, and he lies about your identity as God's beloved. So, which is why we need to put on what Paul calls, in Ephesians, the full armor. Not just part of the armor, but he, he actually, in Ephesians 6, talks about the armor of God, which, which is another, another sermon series. Um, prayer and scripture and community, the practices of Jesus that we're really big on in this community. We talk about it all the time. Put on the armor of God. And then third, you, you can put that slide back up just because I'm talking about it. Um, the world. So this one gets confusing because doesn't God love the world? Yes, God so loved the world. So God loves planet Earth. God loves humans. God loves the creation. That's not what this word world means. In the negative sense, the world is the system of ideologies that are hell-bent against the flourishing way of Jesus. So um, this is unjust systems in governments, uh, political ideologies that claim to be the Messiah. Our, our political party will save. Ours will solve. Those are the world. That is the world. And so um, <clears throat> here's, here's why I bring up this. S sometimes we can be so formed by the world that we find ourselves in circumstances that we're supposed to push against, but we think they're God and we go for it. So... Uh, for example, open doors that are meant to be closed to you, like a job that's not God's will for you, or an opportunity to travel or make that extra money or some other benefits, all of which might be good, but at times are not God. So God, and God doesn't want you to pursue them because they're meant to be closed for whatever reason. How do you know? Again, scripture in community. We're no live, we're no, uh, live wire lone ranger gunslinger prophet Christians. There's no such thing. We need community for this. And, and also, just like there's open doors that should be closed, there are closed doors that we're supposed to bust open. I think of spirit-led peaceful protest against, against worldly systems of racism. In the 60s, you have the church filled with the spirit, having prayer meetings, planning diner sit-ins to subvert racist ideologies that were keeping our nation in deep oppression, people of color. So those were systems that, those, it felt like closed doors. There's closed doors, you give up. God just wants me to live here. But actually God wanted you to 
blast open those doors by the power of the Spirit. And I also think of pushing open closed doors for the youngest of our kind to be born while also honoring the dignity of women to receive the support they need in crisis pregnancies. We'd be like, oh, it's too complicated. That door's closed. Oh, there's there's things that feel like closed doors that are meant to be pushed open against worldly ideologies by the Spirit-empowered Church of Jesus, okay? All this to say, God can speak through circumstance, but it's tricky because we need to surround ourselves with Bible and community to help discern the voice of God from all the other voices that shape our circumstance. So, here we go. God can speak through other things. Here's one that really shaped a moment in my life. God can speak through an inward sense, like a lack of peace in your guts. And this is very subjective, but here's how it worked out in our life. I've told this story before. About 12, 13 years ago, we were invited to move to Portland, Oregon. We lived here in San Diego. We were kind of thinking of a church plant, but not quite, didn't have the thought fully formed. We were fully in, Sandy and I were in music, we were in music ministry, we were cutting records and traveling around and having had a booking thing and all that. So we were <coughs> offered a job in Portland as worship leaders. And at that time, it felt right. It made sense in my brain. We prayed, it made sense. The church that we were gonna move to, it ticked all the boxes. It was growing, it was vibrant. It ended up being the church we would move to three years later uh, but at that time, we were moving, it was, it was vibrant, it, was, it had all the values that we valued, it all, ticked all the boxes. And so when I, when I took the pen and lowered it to the hiring documents and went to sign my name, I just felt my guts just, I felt like, uh, if, if this makes sense, like a peaceful removal of peace. I know that sounds like a paradox, but it was not a malevolent, evil lack of peace. It was like, oh, if I sign this, I'll be disobedient to God, and I cannot sign this and be at peace with God. Like, it was this sense of peace. So it ended up being the right move for many reasons, one of which is because God was still working on our marriage. At that time, my wife and I had grown up in church cultures where a certain certain form of uh, silencing women was actually taught as biblical uh, submission. And so at that time, Sandy did not want to go to Oregon, but she did not tell me because she thought I was the priest of the home in the sense that only I make the decision. Because that's what we were taught. That's what we were taught. And through that moment of going, oh, I'm I don't have peace in this. I started to open up to Sandy about why I didn't have peace. She's like, praise God. I was just holding my tongue, trying to obey God by holding my tongue. And, and that moment began a 13-year conversation of what it looks like to co-lead, to, to minister out of a marriage, to have a, a, a co-equal partnership like, like the picture you have in, in Genesis 1 and 2 of man and woman, not man ahead of woman or below woman, but woman taken from the side of man where man and woman are partners, partnering with Yahweh together in the garden. And that was the beginning of a shift for us. And God had to hold the brake. He had to pump the brakes on us going to Portland in order for that seed to be planted in our marriage. Hopefully that makes sense. There's a lot there that I could unpack. Uh, But it was this lack of peace that I had. Um... God speaks that way. And finally, God speaks through prayer, community prayer. Um, We're big fans of listening prayer in groups as communities. So there you go. The major point, that's how God, these are things how God speaks. I want this teaching to be like a toolkit you can refer back to for the next year until we remind ourselves of this again. Because again, I think this is some of the most important stuff in the Christian life. So let's just blast through the last three questions. How do we know it's God speaking? How do we know it's God? It could be wishful thinking. You could be hearing your dad from when you were nine. How do you know it's God? Or it could be demons. I could tell stories, I'm going to skip them, of people getting God's voice wrong. Um, but you have to ask, who is speaking? First off, does it line up with Scripture, as I said? Here's a, here's a, basic, here's a basic example. Everyone can maybe relate to this. 
Someone says, a, a couple maybe comes up to me in church and says, uh, I've never heard anyone say this, but I've heard close. <laughs> uh, someone that says, I really feel like I'm supposed to move in with my boyfriend or girlfriend. We both prayed about it. We both have a total peace. We believe God's leading us to move in together. Um, listen, God will never tell you to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and then they say, uh, oh, but God gave us the green light. We prayed about this. No, nope, pretty sure the scriptures haven't changed. So, so God will never tell you to cheat on your taxes, even if you feel like, oh, I, this feels good. I feel, it feels fair. God will never tell you to stop being generous. God, God's voice will never demean you. God's voice will never demoralize or shame you. These, listen, these are voices you may hear. They may just, they may be actual voices that you hear at night. I guarantee you, you probably heard voices and they're definitely not God's. So, so important on that last point, sin is never safe in God's presence, but people are. Unless, of course, people willingly embrace their sin instead of God, but even then, God will never demean or demoralize. He will shine light on sin, but it's for healing, not for harming. God loves you and desires to pour his love into your heart by the Spirit. If you have demeaning voices in your life, not connected to hidden sin, in other words, you know exactly what is hidden. That is something to bring that shame into the light. But listen, if you have no, I have no idea why I feel guilty. I don't know why I feel ashamed. I just feel worthless. Listen, those voices are probably coming from other people or beings or within yourself. Either way, that's not God. If there's any slide you take a picture of and meditate on morning and night this week, it's this one. This is why it's so important to be in scripture and community to cultivate understanding the Bible so we have a litmus test for what we think might be the voice of God. And then ask, does it line up with scripture? So uh, slide 27, you guys, when you step into the scriptures, next one, next one. When you step into the scriptures, you're stepping into the framework where God has chosen to make his voice heard through Jesus. Step in, step in all the time. Shape your receiver, your, your, the receiver on your end. Shape it to receive the full signal through the scriptures. Whose voice are you hearing? And does it sound like Jesus? Ask, does the voice sound like Jesus? What does Jesus say? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. I'm gentle and humble. That's what I sound like, I'm gentle. What does Jesus sound like? It sounds like that. That's how Jesus identifies. Gentle and humble. You guys, this is especially helpful right now. I have a hunch, like I said, 2024 will be gnarly. And when you're absorbing that article or that political video or podcast, ask yourself, is this voice gentle? Is it humble in heart? You guys, honestly, when I observe the way a lot of Christians engage in public dialogue, I'm increasingly shocked at how often I see humility being written off as weakness. Like if you're humble and nuanced and open to listening on Twitter, you're seen as weak. On both sides of the conversation, there are voices who seem to think the louder, the more opinionated, the more you can make the other side look stupid, the more faithful to Jesus you're being. But it seems to me those voices are listening to a different Jesus. Because when Jesus describes his voice, it's not argumentative, it's not a debate dunk on his enemies. It's the voice of a gentle, lowly shepherd. So whose voice are you listening to? Which brings us to our third question, why don't we hear God? Why don't you hear God? We're almost done. This is a bit of a longer teaching because I think these, all these pieces are important to name at once. Why don't we hear God speak? Let me suggest four reasons. We get God's character wrong. We think, oh, he's, he's just angry at me. He doesn't delight in me. We forget his compassionate character. Listen, if you don't believe God is a God who delights in you, then you don't believe God as he is. If that's your picture of God, no wonder you don't recognize God as he's coming to you. If you're only listening to a God who's angry at you, no wonder you're missing his actual voice. And number two, why we don't hear God? We fill our day with noise. We don't stop or distract ourselves. Number three, we don't ask him to speak. You guys, asking him to speak is all over the Bible. Seek, knock, ask. God loves this. And number four, uh, we don't repent of actual sin. 
You ever done listening prayer in a community and you're just still, and then suddenly there's an identified sin that bubbles up in your mind's eye? Like, oh, there's an actual sin I have not dealt with. I want to say that's amazing. <laughs> that's God speaking, you guys. If this happens to you, the good news is that fourth one is probably the easiest one to fix. Leave the sin behind, bring it to the light, and live in the goodness of Jesus. So that's four reasons why we don't hear God's voice. And finally, the last question I want to address is how can we open ourselves to hear his voice? And it's those same four questions flipped. Put them all up on the screen, even number four. You have number four, or is there only three? All right, cool. The fourth one is obey. Meditate on scripture, pray and listen, ask God to speak. And then when God speaks, do it. So what is God speaking to you today? We're gonna come to his table in a moment, but I'm gonna have us all stand right now. Can we all stand? What are you hearing? As we're gathered here, what are you sensing the spirit speaking to your life? God loves to be sought after. He hates it when we run to things that separate us from his love because he loves you. So of course he hates what separates him from you. Of course he does. What does it look like to obey and respond to Jesus? You put those last Bible verses up, slide 38, I think it is. I've told you this. Last, yeah, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. You guys, obeying God could kill you. <laughs> it killed Jesus. But listen, this is because the kingdom of God is not anti-risk. In our American culture, we're so anti-risk, we have insurance policies for everything. That's not the kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you come? We are willing to let go of everything that separates us from you. For the next six or seven minutes, God, would you have our attention, have our affection? We sing to you with our open hands and our open hearts. Maybe stretch out our hands and just reach for the God who's first reached for us and show us what obeying looks like. We're gonna have time for prayer after the gathering. We always have people ready to pray for you back at the Connect Room, but right now, let's just sing a couple choruses and then we'll finish with the bread and cup. Invite the Spirit to shine on your life and call you deeper into Himself right now. Holy Spirit, come.